Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's a beautiful What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, Super Producer Brandon Newman, my father, Mike Golick Sr., and Dad, and really, this applies to Brandon, too. We have survived over here a morning full of Miss Rachel as we are all enjoying some family time right now. I know Brandon's got his mom in town. Me and dad are all at the house here in South Bend with my brother and his wife, Jenny, and their son, Jackson, who's a one-year-old now, newly yes. minted one-year-old, and we have been reveling in all of this kid content, and Miss Rachel's hit us upside the head the last couple of days. Dad, you seem particularly disturbed by this. Well, As someone who's already been a parent, this seems like a new frontier for well, you. Well, I, I mean, it's just every kid has something you had um Sinead O'Connor nothing compares to you oh yeah that song when her just her face was on the screen you got anytime we wanted three minutes of silence yeah we put that on we had it on tape you were your show was Jungle Book that Ooh, when we yeah. put that on you would be set and while I say oh man I've had enough of this I get it from a parent standpoint sure I get it when when Chris and I were were young parents to you guys, you you have to find something that calms the baby. And for Jackson, who had just turned one years old on Monday, it's Miss Rachel, and Miss Rachel is blowing up. Miss yeah. Rachel was just doing her own thing for her own kid. Next thing, she's on YouTube with barely any kind of production value to now she's with CAA, one of the most powerful outfits out there as far as representing people. The production value change, you know she's going to go on tour. Oh, yeah. And she is going to make Bro. millions and yeah. millions of dollars. Miss Rachel found her way to the <laughs> yes, bag. Like yes, she, she has did. absolutely yeah. gone out here and hit people upside the head. But it's wild. It's just this never-ending loop <sighs> yes. of random sounds and songs for littles and... Like you said, cartoons now to go along with it. Before, it was just her rolling around in a park. But, yeah. Brandon, I don't know. You got two kids under three right yeah. now. Have you encountered this woman at all? Of course, I know Miss Rachel. Uh, it's not one of the things that my kids need to pacify themselves. Uh, I think I'm fortunate for that, honestly. They have a little bit of diversity in their palate. But Miss Rachel, I'm not sure how she'll do on tour because she's just a big, like, God-level on-screen Hi guys, there's three bubbles. One, two, three. <laughs> 
You know, like there's this. I don't know what that would do live on stage. She's not a big song person, but uh, oh, oh no, she, I, that, that, she is a big song. She's person. a song person. She has people on the show that yeah. are song people. I'm oh. going to tell you, oh, her travel is going to be phenomenal because it's like the voice. As soon as Jackson hears the voice, he spins in and just stares at the TV. I will say there won't be much crowd interaction because no, the kids no. just go into a trance. They do. They it's going to be weird because it's a largely silent theater with what? maybe some coups here and there. But there's a new singer now as well. She's got a... Yeah. And I don't know all the names. She has a wonderful voice. But I, I guess my point is every, every kid has something. And it's interesting what with parents what it is and how much you go to it because you don't want to overindulge, right? You don't just want to sit your kid in front of the TV, but when you need that time, yeah, you know, you it, it, like, like you guys were into Barney and then all of a sudden, because this is one thing at some point it'll turn off. Jackson will look at the TV, see Miss Rachel and go about his day and want nothing more to do with her. It's just, it's, it's all kind of, you just work through the stuff. You guys did that with Barney. One day it was like, you wanted no more in Barney. So all the Barney stuff went into storage or got given away and you, we just moved on to the next thing. But to me, it's not as much about, cause you're right. Kids are going to cycle through stuff. Yeah. It's, I am amazed at the pa- the parents' t- ability to tolerate oh. these things on an endless loop. Like the amount of Paw Patrol Jake and Jenny have watched. And now Miss Rachel, where this is just constant background noise of a meter and cadence that most adults can't tolerate. But parents, it's like you become numb to low-grade poison over a long period of time. You do. And at times you find yourself watching it when your kid is not. Oh, yeah. And that's... then you catch yourself and you go, what the hell am I doing? I mean... Paw Patrol, I actually like Paw Patrol, so I, I would watch that. When you guys all went to go Paw see... Paw Patrol, by the way, way overfunded there. They, I mean, the military the spending is in incredible. Adventure Bay they, is yeah. out of control. Yeah, they, they can handle every situation. But when you guys went to see Taylor Swift in Vegas, it was me and Ben watching Jackson. This was a few months ago. We, we watched... We put him in front of Miss Rachel for about 20 minutes, and it was Ben, God love him, Ben, who played at Harvard, played with the Bears, is in med school right now, married to my daughter, Sydney. He goes, can't do it anymore. Yeah. He said, we turned it off. He goes, can't take her. Let's find another way to, you know, entertain Jackson. Again, when you're a parent and you're with him all the time and you need those few minutes, I get it. But he, we were quickly like, no, no, no. Can't deal with looking at her mouth, forming the words, saying the words. We're losing our minds. But boy, does Jackson love it. I, it. To me, all it really indicates is that the barrier for entry into the child content market is really low because yeah. it did not take much. This was a YouTube no. channel. Yep. And I have maintained, Dad, that you, who for so long were one of America's dads in morning radio, really need to start to tap into this market now that you're a grandparent. I could do that, right? This feels like a place where we just get you in front of a camera, we get someone to do some sing-song stuff, and you can be the delivery vessel for all of this what kid content. My, what, what could I be, Grandpa G? Yeah. I mean, what would it, what would it be? I, I need like a still to be kind of cool, even though I'm a grandpa. But yeah, I would like doing that. I, I think it's just playtime with Pappy. I think, we, yeah, by the way, trademark, that's intellectual property. If you steal that, we will sue we you. Will we will come get after litigious. you with everything that we have. So we will, we'll brainstorm more okay. of this off air so we don't give away the game right now. Okay. We've got a great show today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us that five-star rating. Check us out on DraftKings YouTube and DraftKingsNetwork.com. Very fun one today. This content for the grown and sexy. Sam Hartman, Notre Dame quarterback, uh, going to stop by. We got a chance to catch up with him yesterday. Uh, This one, for everyone watching live, you'll get a portion of this podcast audience. We're going to release this as a two-parter, so you're going to get the full. We did about a half hour with Sam. What a nice guy. 
it's an yeah. incredible, wow. and I say young man, he's going to be like 24 this fall. Right, right. And the main takeaway for me from the conversation, he reeks of the maturity of a player with as much experience as he has. And the value that brings to a football team right. of what he understands about his process, leading a team, and being at the helm of an offense is really impressive to hear, and some of that will shine through certainly in the interview, but that's who you want leading the charge. You for. really do, because when you hear the interview, you will see the maturity because he admits how immature he yeah. was when he He was a true freshman starter at Wake Forest, and he said, I basically had no business doing that. I yeah. wasn't ready for that. You know, and then he got benched his sophomore year before he played more. So this was an 18-year-old, now a 24-year-old, and how he has grown yeah. has been great. And now to lead Notre Dame, it, it's, it's a great individual to do that. Yeah, so very yeah. excited for you to hear that conversation. Uh, Notre Dame fans, you can feel very confident yep. your team yep. is in very good hands. Um, Dad, speaking of very good hands, though, last night, Major League Baseball, uh, a thing happened. Yeah. Normally, this uh, so far this summer, Major League Baseball's been full of Tungsten Armour Doyle stats from our dear sweet Shohei Atani, yes, who yes. continues to go out here and do freakish things that only Babe Ruth had technically done, but in a situation and context that is far more impressive to me than anything Babe Ruth ever did. Last night, we added uh, another pitching accomplishment from somebody else. Domingo Herman tosses just the 24th perfect game in Major League Baseball history for the Yankees. They blank the uh, Oakland Athletics 11 to nothing. Right. It's the fourth uh, perfect game in Yankee history. And, Dad, just kind of emblematic of how weird baseball is because Domingo Herman had also gotten tagged up, according to ESPN Stats and Info, he became the first uh, player in Major League history to reach a perfect game after allowing 10-plus runs in his previous start. I, I, you can find a stat anywhere, can't you? I, I, that you, one's actually like emblematic to me of how wild a roller coaster I thought it was going to be the first perfect game after his last start was on a Tuesday night. You yeah, know, I mean, what you could find Elite is amazing. Stat. But this is a guy who was suspended for the sticky stuff on his hand, yeah. tossed out of a game uh, for that. His last start, as you mentioned, 10 runs. Eight of those were earned. His last two starts uh, he had, he gave up 15 earned runs, 15 hits in just five and a third inning, and then he throws a perfect game. And he got a lot of help from his defense now. A lot of the balls were hit right at players. I'd imagine that if you're one of those guys in the field, man, you as it's getting to the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning, and the ninth inning went pretty quick. He had a couple of guys swinging at first pitches. But, man, you want to be, you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Right in the field that that because even an error, if you make an error, while it could still be a perfect game, it's not. I mean, it'd still be a no hitter. It can't be a perfect game. Right, and I guess that's the thing is when you're a pitcher and when you're in it. Because I always think about this in a lot of pressure situations. When it's you, you've got so much you're focused on. Right, you're in communication with the catcher. You're trying to figure out your pitch sequences. You're going over scouting reports for what you've got for each batter. In the field, you got a lot more time to think. Like, especially with the pitch clock now, it's a little more get out there, get up and go. And so you're kind of in the zone. I know there's all the thought process of do you talk to a guy who's in the middle right, of a perfect right, game, right. how you approach him. But you're right. There's a lot of other people that have to make this go. And if I'm one of those dudes sitting oh out there picking gosh. dandelions in right field and all of a sudden it's my time to shine, that's where the knees can start to quiver a little bit. Yeah, it's like when a quarterback's having a monster game. You don't want to be that old lineman that gets him smoked. Yeah, you know, it's 100%. These are all team efforts. So I love doing this as well. Um, 24 perfect games. The first two were in the 1800s. The first one was Lee Richmond from the Worcester Ruby Legs 
Okay? <laughs> he played in that... Baseball w- does old, yeah. weird names better than any sport. 1880 to 1882, he played there. In 1880, June 12th, he pitched 74 of the 85 games. He pitched in 74 of the 85 games. Threw a perfect game. It wasn't called a perfect game then because it was the first one and they had no name for it. <laughs> that was the perfect game. And then, that was the first one... Five days later was the second one. The second one was John Ward with the Providence Grays. So five days later was the second one. And the mound then was 45 feet, not what it is, 60 feet now. And then the third one, very recognizable name, 1904, Cy Young. Uh, amazing. You know what? Like it's hard. Yeah. In that quick succession, <laughs> apparently we have tremendously overrated the value of the perfect game in baseball. So, Dad, the perfect game coming up always revives the debate of what some of the actual hardest accomplishments in sports are to pull off. So you've got 24 now perfect games in Major League Baseball history, like you said, going back to what was the first one in the 1800s? 1880. So you've got that. 319. This also, by the way, furthers my belief that no hitters aren't actually that impressive. There's like, like 300 some, right? 319 yeah. no hitters in right. Major League Baseball right. history. So whenever it comes up, like I understand we celebrate that because sometimes yeah. those can be combined no-nos. Yes. yes. All that never really actually impresses no. me. The perfect never. game is the thing. The perfect yeah. game is yeah. cool. It's got like it's got an identifiable name. It's, it's nice and clean. Yes. Right. All it of is that. very clean. We right. chase perfection and we find it. But is it actually the most impressive thing that you can do? And so I pulled up a couple of others that are in the conversation for this. So in the NFL, you have got, I believe, 26 quarter, uh, 26 500-yard passing games right. by only 21 different quarterbacks. Right. So you've got some guys with multiples up, there. Right. And then in the NBA, there are only eight players that have scored 70 or more points. Now... I think the major difference right off the bat looking at these is a perfect game pretty much you know, guarantees you a win. Right. You, you get a win every time. It's the most functionally useful when we talk about triple doubles, all exactly. these things. That's this one actually win. guarantees you a win versus in all of these other circumstances, it does not. you can go for that and it not necessarily be emblematic of how well the team is doing. So starting off, I would say of these things here, the perfect game is still the most impressive Because to me. it's perfect. You get the win. I, I completely agree. Eight players who have scored 70 or more. David Robinson, David Thompson, Elgin Baylor, Kobe Bryant, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Damian Lillard. So going back to like 2007, there's three from 17, and then there were two last year, right? I would say we Booker. had two within a couple right. of months so span this it, year. It seems to me like in football and basketball, we are in an era where it can happen more, right? Yeah. NFL is a passing league right now. So I would expect that number to be going up. And in the NBA with the threes and the way that so many threes are, 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 are shot, that that number is going to go up as well. I think perfect games are still, they go back the furthest as well, 1880. I mean, you know, it's going back a long way and, and there's only 24 of them. So I still, and, and they all need help, right? In the NBA, you need your teammates to help you, whether it's yeah. setting screens, getting you the ball. Football, you need the O-line to help you. Obviously, you need your receiver to help you. And in baseball, obviously, the pitcher needs the defense behind him. To help well, you. in theory, that's the one that you could also do the most Control by the yourself. Strikeouts, like, exactly you could right. Just, you right. could just go 27 Ks yeah. and call it a day, <laughs> which would be some wild stuff. Yeah. But you know, at, at the end of the day, I, I think overall that one probably takes the cake for that one. At Gojo Show on Twitter. If you disagree at all, are you looking up right now most strikeouts in a perfect game? I am. I would be very curious because obviously. 
that would be on the higher end of things. It was at Matt Cain's perfect game. Says 12 strikeout. I don't know. Um, I, I, I'd have to d- dive a little more into this. All right, yeah. we'll get stats and yeah. info yeah. on this one. Yeah. In, the, in the meantime, I do think that it is particularly funny in its own way that... Sorry. Oh. On May 13th, 1952, while pitching for the Class D Bristol Twins, Ron Nasia tossed a no-hitter, striking out 27 in nine innings. I mean, c- Class D, do yeah. we count that even? Yeah. I, I don't. I just, I just, I went perfect game. I should have said perfect MLB yeah, game. Yeah, perfect MLB game. Yeah. Like, I guess, I mean, I guess carving people up that, like, if you're coming back from an injury or something like that could be pretty cool. I don't know if it counts the same. Yeah, I don't know if it either. I, I, I'm not sure. Um, I got one here that, uh, who was it? Uh, Kane retired, uh, tally 24 strikeouts, tied for the most strikeouts in a perfect game with Sandy Koufax of the Dodgers in 1965. Okay, so Matt Kane. So All right. Yeah. 14 strikeouts, he and Sandy Koufax. I'm not sure how old again this is, but that that's where we are. So if we're wrong, someone will obviously let us know. Yeah, no, we're pretty good at that. Um, yep. Speaking of someone admitting that they've been wrong or things haven't been going well, the irony of this happening on the same day that Steve Cohen with the Mets had to have the sad boy press conference because things have been going real sideways for them, um, decided to have a press conference because Steve Cohen's been very public. He's been very front-facing as an owner in a way that for a while has been very appealing to fans, right? He's been a guy that we've seen tweeting through it on the timeline in the past with his team and this offseason willing to go out and spend a ton of money to give the Mets Mm -hmm. one of the highest payrolls in Major League Baseball and now sitting here underperforming largely through the course of the season, he felt like he had to come and finally step forward and say really a whole lot of nothing, basically got up there and talked for 23 minutes and but, said, but he said something, you know, he's not making any changes right now, but right. he's out there giving some info. He said, we have prepared for contingencies if things in the situation and circumstances do not improve. And then they brought a dog out. Like yeah, this to yeah, me, good move. really a master class in how to live life in general. I've said for years, if you're a marketing exec at a company, you can't figure out how we want to go or an advertising executive and you can't figure out how do we want to market our product? Dogs. Simply throw dogs in. You could make one of the best 30-second Super Bowl ads of all time purely by just throwing dogs into the equation. Completely agree. I think someone did it this last year, and Steve Cohen realized as they brought, I believe it was a veteran service puppy, into the room with the media I mean, and watched them all melt after yeah, this. Yeah. You were immediately going to take everyone's eyes off the ball that is the failure of your season and put it on that puppy, Chestnut Checkers. It's a great move. It's an absolutely great move for a team that... By the way, as bad as they are, they're not last. Washington Nationals are last in the East right now. But last year, the Mets, after 80 games, I think were around 50 and 30. Yeah. Right in that area there. Now they're 30, what, 36 and 44, 17 back. So not going well. So, you know, if this keeps going, there'll obviously be some changes. But to your point, bringing a dog out in anything softens the situation uh, absolutely so they're not alone too i was just looking at the screens you have it pulled up right there the padres that spent more money than god on than god on every superstar imaginable sitting there under 500 yep uh, also in the NL West. So life's not been sweet for big spenders so far this Major League Baseball season. Hopefully get a chance to talk to our buddy Jared Carabas over on Baseball is Dead sometime next week. Get a little re-up into everything that's been going on in Major League Baseball as we get towards the middle of the summer. 
We have now officially waved goodbye to NBA season. Yes, we have. We've got NBA free agency that opened up, I believe, yesterday. Or uh, no, it NBA... opens up tomorrow. Tomorrow. Uh, James Harden has to make his decision today. Hockey's also over. That draft went on as yes. well that we'll chat about. We will, so... get, we will get to that. So plenty to catch up with with Jared as we get towards the middle of it. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. All right, Brandon, time to bring this thing home. Land the plane as we always do around here. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating. Check us out on DraftKings YouTube. Let us know more of what you want to hear. We always end this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to finish off the day. Uh, send you on your merry way. And, Brandon, we had the NHL draft happen last night. No surprise to anybody. Uh, Connors in the NHL, incredibly hot right now, as we yes. had Connor McDavid taking home MVP honors the other day, and now Connor Bedard goes number one overall in a way that was not surprising. I would say, Brandon, just as much as it seemed like a foregone conclusion for some time that Victor Wembanyama was going to go number one overall, it was the Big Vic sweepstakes uh, in the NBA. It was the Connor Bedard sweepstakes in the NFL. He really is seen as that next generational uh, uh, talent and prospect that we've had since Connor McDavid. The 17-year-old was the pride and joy of this upcoming draft. Chicago hit the jackpot with this. They only had the third best odds to get the number one overall pick at about 11.5%. And so now they get a player who was... The first 15-year-old granted uh, exceptional act status by the Western Hockey League. He was the inaugural IIHF Male Player of the Year. He led Canada to a gold medal in World Juniors. And just in general, seems like he's got plenty of that dog in him. And so for Chicago and the Blackhawks, who obviously went through an incredible stretch where they were winning Stanley Cups basically every other year, had now fallen on hard times. And Brandon, we've already kind of seen that similar bump in season tickets and all the things and metrics we use that basically show you everybody is pretty excited about this going on. Now, there are people who understandably look at the situation with all of the impropriety that had gone on in that Blackhawks organization of how they weren't penalized and how this mm -hmm. was allowed to happen at all and say that it probably shouldn't have been that way. But the bottom line is now they are netted what is expected to be one of the best young hockey players in the NHL for quite some time. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about them building back so soon. I feel like those championship runs 
were a little bit too, uh, you know, recent in my memory. I would like them to have to wait a little bit longer, like the Spurs had to before they got uh, Big Vic in the draft, and, and now they're going to be rebuilding their franchise behind him. But the, the Blackhawks in Chicago, they they felt like they got a little too, um, they got a little too braggadocious too quickly for me. Maybe it's just my Red uh, Red Wings Detroit fandom. Uh, coming out here, but I, I didn't like how Blackhawks fans in Chicago got a chance to really brag so much during that run. So they had three cups in six years that ended in 2015, which is one of those things I'm with you. 2015 in my brain will always seem way more recent than it actually is, but that's because I'm having trouble accepting the fact that the sands of time uh, keep on going. <laughs> so uh, Brandon, let's get to that more gambling announcements for punishments and penalties in the NFL. And this one's sort of wild. So according to ESPN uh, NFL insider Adam Schefter, a handful of players, including Colts cornerback and kick returner Isaiah Rogers, are expected to receive season-long suspensions this week for violating the NFL's policy on gambling. Rogers is the subject of a league investigation into possible violations of their gambling policy that includes bets placed on Colts games. Hmm. Now, Rodgers has acknowledged the situation on social media earlier this month and said he takes full responsibility. But Brandon, this one's a wild one because we've heard of some wild parlays. We've heard of guys that have been suspended for half the season for gambling in the wrong place, gambling in the team facility and on team property. And we've got now got the NFL sort of reinforcing their key rules when it comes to gambling, which is pretty simply, don't bet on the NFL. Don't gamble at your team facility while traveling for a road game or staying at a team hotel. Don't have someone bet for you. Don't share team inside info. Don't enter a sports book during the NFL playing season. And don't play daily fantasy. Pretty easy rules to follow. But Brandon, if it's true that Isaiah Rogers is actually betting on the Colts, that's the most blown through stop sign and easiest marker to see that someone would have gotten popped for so long. That's some wild stuff. And a very dangerous gambling habit to bet on a four and 12 football team. If you're on there, or not. <laughs> like, look, I, I feel like, I feel like, you know, the, the heavy handed, you know, like the, the Patriots of, of one year, you know, the, the favorites betting is nasty. The underdogs betting is delusional, but obviously betting while you're on the team alone is, is just bad business to be in. That's a great point. Obviously, Common sense, and again, we're very pro-player on this podcast and on this show, but man, it's pretty easy for everyone involved to understand players betting on their own teams probably going to be a no-no, but, and like an easy one, no matter what the gambling laws around you look like, that's been pretty consistent as a through line right. through the course of human history with sports. You don't want players betting on their team with the information that they got. Nobody wins with that. Easy rule to follow that somehow Isaiah Rogers. We can't excuse that away, even with all the gambling money flooding in. But you're right, Brandon. We probably need to know which way he was betting on this. Because like Ooh, you said, yeah. if you've got a really good team or a really bad team, it can be pretty easy to operate this. But all of a sudden, if you're on the bad team and you're betting your bad team to lose, those are things that we're probably going to have a little more of an issue with than if you were betting, you know, for everyone to win. It's like being at the craps table and betting the do not pass line here. You don't want to be the guy actively subverting the effort that's going on there. So the important questions that need to be asked in this process. But again, as the NFL is now going to go around and you've got all this mandatory training for rookies that's going to pop up, it again just goes back to 
There are a lot of things that are difficult, inconsistent, and hypocritical about the way the NFL does business with players versus coaches and front office members and owners that we can rightly point out. And I understand for some people looking at all the gambling money, hell, we're, we're on a DraftKings podcast right now. I get how this sounds, mm-hmm. but again, it still seems pretty commonsensical to me that you don't want players betting on their team. You don't want players betting on their sport. Now, the notion of a right place and a wrong place to bet, you can't bet at the team facility, even if it's on a sport outside of yours, someone's still going to have to explain to me why that's a thing that matters because I don't understand that. The rest of this stuff makes a fair amount of sense. And so just don't do it because now the NFL has sent a message over and over and over again. You will get popped, you will miss significant time, and none of these people are good enough at gambling to cover the losses of their salary during the course of a 17-week NFL season. Brandon, let's get to the third. So, shout out to my friend and former colleague, Alyssa Lang, who does a great job over at the SEC Network and was hosting radio on Sirius XM this morning as the podcast was going on with Dari Noka. And she texts me out of nowhere. Do you think you could land, emergency land a commercial plane with only air ca- traffic control walking you through it? And Brandon, apparently this is some trend going around on TikTok that highlights the overwhelming confidence of men everywhere to navigate through this situation. I want to know what your answer is, Brandon. My knee-jerk reaction was, I believe that I would be able to rise to the occasion. Because at that point, you've got your life and the lives of everyone else on the plane in your hand. And while I don't think it would be pretty, as we've established, most planes now, for the most part, fly themselves. So it's really just worried about the landing. Like we said, it wouldn't be pretty, We would probably smack the ground pretty hard. There were probably people walking out of there a little bit banged up and bruised. But I think we're going to live because, again, fight or flight instinct. I am going to fight the flight and try and get us on the ground because I really want to live. And I feel like if I've got an experienced pilot in my ear, I've played enough video games to rise to the occasion with my heart pounding. What about you? You know what? That is a fall to the level of your training moment for you when it comes to video games and taking direction and being an offensive lineman. Yeah. Uh, and you also listen, you come in and out of break forever since we've been doing this podcast. You land the plane very, very well. Uh, me, on the other hand, I was going to say I possibly could do it. But when I found out all men are saying that they possibly could, I, I had to go to what really in my deep dark, uh, down in, inside. I feel like I have a better chance timing up a jump out of a plane to, to land and roll and kind of get to my feet than landing the entire plane for everyone else does that make sense like i really do think that i could just kind of you know parachute or not just time up when's a good time to, to stop drop and roll out of an airplane as it falls down to to you know whatever happens boy all of this just highlights i saw a reddit poster the other day said that he feels like he would have somehow survived the submersible excursion that men are some of the dumbest things walking this earth and that every prompt like this just reinforces that that being said I stand by my words. Uh, If you stand by this podcast and think that we did a good job landing the plane, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating. Check us out on YouTube and DraftKingsNetwork.com. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Go, go. Boom. Money in the bank.